0: The following is a paid program and does not necessarily reflect the views of WABC.
1: Somewhere over the rainbow, way up high. Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk even when it bites. Now on seventy-seven WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush.
2: Welcome, welcome, welcome! On this Sunday, May twenty-second, it is our walk-a-thon redo date, and uh, I'm here with my co co-host, co-host,
3: Brenda Bush. It's event day again,
2: again, um, like Groundhog
3: Day. But first of all, it doesn't seem to go away. Are but we? Are not we here? Doomsday. Not doomsday. (laughs) We're still here.
2: Are we here, Mike? Are we here or what? Mike is laughing out there. I'm not sure if he's here, but I'm here at 6 a.m. He says we're not really here, here.
3: so I don't know. I'm having an identity
2: crisis. I
3: think we need to reach out to God on this one.
2: The studio is located on 7th Avenue in Manhattan, and as I walked in, I looked up, and I saw this huge sign uh, one block south of 7th Avenue, and it said, Judgment Day is here, May 21st, 2011. And I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, oh, wait a second, it's May 22nd. And
3: we survived. What
2: happened to Judgment Day? Yeah. It happened while I was sleeping. <laughs> I did not sleep much. Consider last night yourself either. judged. Anyway, today's show is Religion and Animals. How apropos, after yeah. God gave us another chance.
3: And we have some exciting guests lined up.
2: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, in the studio, live with us, will be in the second half hour of the show, Rabbi Joseph Potasnik and Deacon Kevin McCormick, both. Of the Religion on the Line, a Hosts very popular of the show. Very host popular of the show.
3: Religion on the Line, the longest running talk show in New York. Is it's that incredible
2: right? on WABC. Yeah. They are the longest running talk show in New York of any station, 28 years on the wow. air. And the host will be joining us for this. Uh, We're
3: very happy to have them.
2: Terrifically interesting question Religion and animals. The question is, what really is the message here? And. Um, what we found out in our research is there are a lot of messages, and we're going to try to clarify things a little bit to understand what does God say about the animals. What does God think the animals should be, shouldn't be, or you know uh, their role? Because there are people on life. both
3: sides. People justify it. They use it as arguments on both sides in support of uh, of uh, you know better treatment of animals, and then in support of being able to exploit them and eat them and use them and sell them and. Experiment on them.
2: Absolutely. Lots of issues. It's fascinating when you look at all of the major religions and they have a completely different perspective. It's Mm -hmm. almost as though... There's not one god, but there's 10 gods, and each religion has its own god because the word of god is different for each religion. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're going to get into this. Well,
3: let's talk a little about the, the walkathon first before we before we jump into our topic today. So, as many of you know, we got rained out last week. It was a miserable day last Ugh. Sunday, Ugh. and there was thunder and lightning and we couldn't hold our walkathon, which is our one annual fundraiser, but we're re- we're on today rescheduled and we're going to be at FDR Park in Yorktown Heights, New York. And so if you're in the vicinity, whether you've pre-registered or not, come show your support for this organization and the life-saving work that it does.
2: And come meet us. Come meet us in person. Yeah, say come hello. come say hi. Tell us if you like the show, if you don't like the show, what we should change. Tell if we Alex off if the you air. don't like
3: the show. <laughs> yeah, tell, <laughs> tell me, me if you tell like. Brenda
2: if you like the show, tell me if you don't <laughs> like the show, tell us what we should get off the air, which we'll be happy to do and go back to sleeping <laughs> and uh, have our Saturday nights back. But anyway, um, we are heading there right after this show. We're getting in the car and driving up to the event venue, which is FDR Park in Yorktown Heights in New York. Um it's not very far. It's really from Manhattan, part it's part about of the 45 New York miles State, away. Part of the
3: New York State Park system. It's a great park. It's very dog friendly. Um, thank you to Brian who's the park manager there who's been absolutely amazing in accommodating us through our washout last week and being there to meet the tent people this morning because uh we we were on we we're going to be on the radio and couldn't do it. So uh, so thank you, Brian. You've thank you, wonderful. Brian.
2: And uh, I tell you, last week, um, Sunday morning, last week was a rough day for me yeah. personally. Watching the rain come down, I mean, we had scheduled oh, all these events, live band, stage being brought in. I mean, just everything just went down with the with the rain. With we, the rain, yeah, with the rain. And we put up a, um, a posting on the website, and he said, "Hopes and dreams of uh, many, many people are being washed away with the falling rain." And but we're
3: back on. For so this week. true. So we're
2: we're back on. If you're
3: in the vicinity and you can hear us talking this morning, you're close enough to drive to FDR Park. That's so right. Have a nice walk and uh bring your bring your furry friend and uh we got uh vendors lined up, that? we got a DJ. It's 10 to 2 today.
2: 10 to 2 today. So we'll be there Brenda and the walk and I will, will be, be around 11. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We're going to have pictures of everybody that's going to be there up on the website later on. We'll be talking about it next week on the show. Uh but I think that's enough about the walkathon. Yes. Just Move. join us and please introduce yourself if you do come up. Uh, we're going to switch to the subject of the day, which is religion and animals. It's a fascinating subject uh, coming on the heels of this whole um, Judgment Day uh, washout here, since we're all here, thankfully. But before we introduce our first guest, um, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with our first guest. Folks, here's a surprise to many of you. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is a listener-sponsored, supported radio. We are like Channel 13, a nonprofit. We have nothing to sell. We no business to grow. Just honest talk about our best friends, the animals. And we need your help. This radio program is supported by our listeners. If you don't support us, we may be forced to go off the air. So if you've ever enjoyed the riveting talk, if you think an independent voice needs to be on the air that speaks only about our pet friends, then go to www.dogsindanger.com and make a tax-deductible donation. Remember, this show is listener-sponsored radio. Without your support, the Dogs in Danger Radio may be forced off the air. Help the voice of the helpless stay clear, free, and independent.
4: Love is in bloom at Best Friends Animal Society's Pet Super Adoption, June 4th and 5th. Adopt from hundreds of cats, dogs, puppies, and kittens, all hoping you'll pick them up to be part of your family. The Pet Super Adoption is happening at the Westchester County Center in White Plains, New York. So come on, join the fun, and adopt your new best friend on Saturday and Sunday, June 4th and 5th.
1: For more information, visit superadoption.org. Barkable Radio, Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on seventy seven WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda.
2: Hey, Brenda. What's the best way for the good folks out there to help their furry friends?
3: Well, they can buy our Dogs in Danger branded T-shirts, mouse pads, and postage stamps.
2: And you know those stamps are real U.S. postal stamps, so you can use them every day. Just think, someone else finding out about this cause each time you send a letter.
3: So please go to dogsindanger.com and buy from our selection of logoed products. Remember, each purchase helps us save a life.
2: That's dogsindanger.com.
4: Last Sunday, the Dogs in Danger March for the Dogs Walkathon was canceled due to rain. Much work and preparation went into making the March for the Dogs, Dogs in Danger's only annual fundraiser event, a success. However, the weather refused to cooperate. Now, the good news. The walkathon has been rescheduled thanks to the kindness of the U.S. Park Service. Please join Dogs in Danger this Sunday, May 22nd, at FDR Park in Yorktown Heights, New York, for a fun day with your pooch. Alex and Brenda will be there, as well as many of the stars from ABC's The Bachelor. Meet other pet lovers and make new friends. You know your dog is looking forward to it, so do your pooch a favor and join us from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. this Sunday at FDR Park in Yorktown Heights. Go to walk.dogsindanger.com to pre-register. That's walk.dogsindanger.com. If you cannot make it for the walkathon, but would like to support Dogs in Danger, you can make a charitable contribution on dogsindanger.com.
1: Throw your dog a bone. Let him listen to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on seventy-seven WABC. Back to Alex and Brenda.
2: Well, we're back, and we're gonna. Without further ado, we're gonna cut right to our first guest. The subject is religion and animals. What's the message? Is there a message? And I'm going to introduce Dr. Laura Hobgood-Oster, professor of religion at Southwestern University in Georgetown, Texas, co-chair of the American Academy of Religions and Animals and Religion Consultation. Uh, She's published a wide variety of topics and books, including Holy Dogs and Asses, Animals in the History of the Christian Tradition, and Friends We Keep, Unleashing Christianity's Compassion for Animals. Good morning, Dr. Laura Hobgood.
0: Good morning. It's good to be here.
2: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm fine, thank you, and good luck with your walk today. <laughs> thank you. you. <laughs>
2: are you going to be coming up here?
0: I get to, I'm actually coming to New York, um, but not till early tomorrow morning, so I, I will miss it. But um, Austin, Texas did for a while hold the Guinness Book of World, World Records' um, largest dog walk. Um, London beat wow. them eventually, but we, uh, we've we had some big ones down there, so good luck wow. with wow. how,
2: how many people was that?
0: I think that year they had about thirty five hundred dogs, plus all the people with them. Jeez. Year they set the record, yeah.
2: Transport some up here. We can use them.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, really, we don't need any more dogs up here.
0: <laughs> no, you've got plenty. Yeah, <laughs> thank we you. All
2: have plenty. <laughs> so, Laura, let me ask you a first question. I, I think it's a. We did a whole bunch of research on this topic. Obviously, it's a it's a confusing topic, and um, I guess the best place to start Is there a common ground amongst all the great religions that agree? on the role of the animals. Is there is there one thing that, uh, that runs through all of them that sort of, there's a commonality?
0: Uh, there is if you dig, um, but it, it seems that one thing that you can find in common across the major world religions is a call for compassion to animals. Now, how that plays itself out can vary, um, and there also are certainly commonalities in terms of saying, across the board that humans um, are allowed to use animals, Um, so it it is complicated, and it sometimes seems to be, all religions seem to be in conflict with themselves on this topic at times, too, but compassion for animals does seem to run across all traditions in some way.
2: Um, I, I agree with you. I think that's the one thing that I did find, is compassion or abuse of animals seems to be um, out well, of the question. Well, I mean,
3: that could be compassion, you know, uh, compassion so that they're not subject to cruelty or exploitation, or that could just be compassion up until the point that you kill them and put them on your plate.
2: Yeah, that's that's where it, it sort of uh, divides all over the place. Yeah. But but in your book, um, you speak of Christianity's compassion for the animals. Yet in the book of Genesis, God clearly categorizes living animals as meat. Uh, I think I'm going to read the quote from Genesis just to get our bearings straight. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. I mean, that seems like a fairly direct um, categorization of animals as meat. Do you agree with that?
0: It does. I mean, that's certainly I mean, that's right from the post-Noah story. Um, and the the interesting thing about that passage is putting it in context. The context of the overall sweep of the Genesis stories. If if you read in the beginning, when humans are in paradise with all the other animals, everyone is a vegetarian. Um, God gives humans green plants for food, just as God has given all the other animals green plants for food. It's after the fall, and then, I mean, this, of course, is in a kind of, the narrative, whether, you know, not that this is the way it happened, but the narrative is that after the fall, and then even later than that, after we have totally messed up, the humans only have totally messed up, so that God has had to wipe out most most of the earth, then God curses us. So the passage you read is a curse. The fear and the dread of you shall be upon the other animals. And so then we're really in a mess. From that point, because all the other animals are scared of us. Then in the long sweep, in the peaceable kingdom, at the other end of the spectrum, when everything is wonderful again, um, will be the lion and the lamb will lay down together. So you you have sort of a a return to that ideal when you're not eating each other anymore. And so that passage is really in the context of a curse and life that is no longer perfect. certainly less perfect for the animals after that, in terms of relationship with humans. So too.
3: unfortunately, the animals are paying the price, and we're all yeah. living under a curse right now, is what you're saying? Yeah,
0: <laughs> that, That's the way that story reads. Wow. Um, that the animals pay a price for, for our failures. Yeah.
2: Wow. Um, you know what? You led me right into my next question, which uh, I think it was right exactly where you were. I mean, uh, Christians and Jews, I think, and, and everyone seems to agree that the Bible says that Adam and Eve were vegetarians, Correct.
0: They Across the board, <laughs> that seems to be the best interpretation of those texts. Yeah.
2: So they're vegetarians, and animals are not eating each other, and humans are not eating, uh, obviously not each other, but they're not eating animals. After they fall from grace of God, after we commit the, the great sins, and God no longer likes us, God tells us that eating animals is okay. And what you're saying is God says this to us, gives us permission to eat the animals because it's a curse upon the human race.
0: Right. That's that's the way that text reads. Is that it's a curse that from that point forward our relationship with the animals um, will be one of violence instead of one of peace. And so then you, the the rest of the text is a kind of quest to get back to that time of peace again. Um, and and so it, it's it's pretty evident in that text that this is not the perfect way to live. And there are other texts, powerful um, texts in the Book of Job, for example, late in the Book of Job where where God basically tells Job to to get himself out of the center of everything, that he's not the center of everything at all, that humans, by implication, aren't, and that God has all of these other animals. Um, look at the horse. Look at Leviathan. Look at all these other animals. And God's like, I don't need you. I've got them. And mm-hmm. so God puts puts humans back in their place at a couple other points in these texts as well.
3: So according to the text, then, um, we're only going to find our way out of this uh, or presumably, when we're all vegetarian and have respect for the animals again.
0: It, I mean, at least in the broader, I, I don't know that it probably hard to translate it that specifically over the course of the thousand years or so. they were all written, but certainly that is one of the broad implications that we need to get back into a kind of right relationship um, with every everyone that's alive. I'm um, gonna to go get out of that wrong relationship.
2: I'm gonna go back to Genesis three. Um, mm-hmm. Laura, and I'm going to read another short passage, I think, that defines exactly what we're talking about. God gave them all the fruit of the trees to eat in the garden, but the fall, meaning the fall from grace, changed everything. This is directly from the Bible. At the fall, humanity's relationship with God was broken, as was humanity's relationship with all the animals. This is from Genesis 3.
3: And it's right on point to what she's been saying. E-
2: exactly. So, it's pretty clear that um, if you read the bible in any way at all I mean just just our brief discussion here it's pretty clear that according to God eating the animals is not right animals uh, dying for us us eating them them eating each other them eating each other is not right it's it, according to God this is what's written in the Jewish Bible this is what's written in the Christian Bible that's two billion people that follow this these religions and we're not we're going to talk about Hinduism in a minute um, so according to this, it's, it's pretty clear. So how do we go from that to this current understanding, especially among Christians, that all's fair game as long as it's packaged up in a nice cellophane wrap and you don't see the live cow? It's yummy and it's good for you. How do how do we get from you know this this curse that God puts on us to everything is rosy?
0: Yeah, and it even gets expanded um, right between Judaism and Christianity because the. The, at least the Hebrew Bible texts and, and within Judaism, there are all sorts of rules about how you can eat animals and which animals you can and can't eat. Then Christianity sort of opens, it, opens that up to everything, even takes the, the rules away about how to, um, at least even how to kill animals um, in a way that is less painful. It's um, one of the things that is, I think, um, a real challenge for Christianity is that humans seem within some interpretations of Christianity to be elevated to a level of even higher importance than they are in Judaism, um, certainly than in Hinduism and Buddhism. Um, Part of that is because the Christian theology of God becoming human, and that just sort of gives, um, in the form of one figure, but still, that elevates humans even higher. And then in order to differentiate themselves from... um, Judaism in the first and second centuries, they eat certain things and change the way they live so that Christians end up being um, big carnivores um, more probably than in any other religious tradition except for Islam. Animals are really fair game.
2: So how did they make this translation when they were, you know, reinterpreting the original uh, scrolls in the years whatever, as you said, in the years 300, 100 to 300, um, ad. How, how did they make this? Was it a, a practical decision made by the, uh, by the scholars of the time or, or, or was it you know did it have any basis at all in the scriptures? or was it just you know practicality? Hey listen, we need the cheap protein. so let's change the book around and say whatever we need to say to make the ends fit the need?
0: Well part of it's a, a kind of social differentiation. They are that group and we are this group. And oftentimes humans have differentiated themselves by what they eat. That other people yeah but don't
2: the, the Bible doesn't say that Laura the Bible I mean so they just created this differentiation is what you're saying
0: yeah it's certainly it's one of a whole list of things that differentiates them it, in early Christianity including um, we're not going to be circumcised anymore so a whole list of things it wasn't just um, what they ate but that's certainly part of it. Um, everything is clean now instead of unclean and clean and so it, it's it's very complicated but animals I think don't don't fare very well in that transition. Um, though throughout the history of Christianity, you can find a whole number of of wonderful people. A lot of them end up being saints who mm-hmm. say we have to rethink this, and I'm not going to treat animals that way anymore.
2: But they're 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 few and far in between. Clearly, um, uh, during the Christian period, especially um, you know during when the Christian religion was dominant religion. Uh, in Western Europe, uh, I don't think I mean you don't even have to just look at animals look here you just have to look at what the Inquisition did to human to human uh burning perfectly you know decent people at the stake um so why go even past you know when when a religion encompasses such cruelty to its own to its own believers uh why even look at the species that are you know basically an alien species here the the animals
0: yeah that is um certainly and and you even have um You have figures, wonderful figures like Francis of Assisi and Mm -hmm. others who um, really espouse this different kind of relationship with animals, but the dominant tradition uh, never has really embraced that position.
2: Um, I've read a few passages. I may have it here. I read a couple of passages uh, in the Bible where Jesus speaks of um, upon his dying bed um, as he's transforming to God and then coming back. Um, in human form, um, he talks to his father, God, and he basically tells him, do not sacrifice animals for me, because in, in those days, uh, sacri- animal sacrifice was a big deal in pagan days. And he specifically asks that no one sacrifice any animals for his his death and his return, obviously. Is that true?
0: Yeah, I mean, It's interesting. One of the ways that one can interpret the whole idea of the sacrifice of Jesus in the history of Christianity is that no other sacrifices are necessary anymore. And so you shift from a culture of of animal sacrifice to a culture where the sacrifice is completed. That's one of the arguments um, that is oftentimes posed to say we really shouldn't be um, killing any animals anymore uh, from a Christian perspective. Um, Because through most of that history, particularly through the first 1,500, 1,600 years or more, um, not that much meat was eaten in a lot of uh, communities that were Christian, except for wealthy people. Um, most other people didn't eat much meat.
2: Well, is and that is that because of financial consideration, or does that have anything to do with humanistic or religious reasons?
0: Primarily for economic reasons, and mm-hmm. one of the reasons that a- one of the things that would happen um, in terms of animal sacrifice in the Mediterranean world, um, uh, early early Christianity, is that the ways a lot of people would get meat is that the meat for the, from the sacrifices would be distributed to everybody. So it was another, again, part of a kind of social system. Um, and so Christianity generally has been in cultures, um, in the European cultures at least, where meat was not a central part of a lot of the diets. It would have been part of the diets for big festivals, and, um, but for most people not a whole lot of meat until you know, the last 100 or 150 years where our diet has changed completely.
2: Wow. And, and let's look at cruelty. Cruelty seems to be the one area that everybody, as we said at the beginning, at the top of the program, that everybody agrees. Um, every religion says you cannot be cruel to the animals. Then how do we go from you cannot be cruel to animals to hunting them, butchering them, cutting them up? And how is that not cruel again? And how do we make that translation?
0: Yeah, I, think it's a, I actually think it is a total disconnect on all sorts of levels, factory farming systems. The way that we treat abandoned um, domestic animals like dogs and cats, I mean, I think all of that is a total disconnect between what any religion actually calls for and the way we're living. Um, I think people just put on blinders, um, don't even look at those systems and connect them in any way to their religious traditions because there's no justification for any of those ways of treating animals in these traditions.
2: So what you're saying is that we have basically left religion behind us as a society completely. First of all, it's a curse upon us, and we're continuing to practice within that curse instead of trying to change ourselves. I mean, God curses us, and he he lets us eat the animals. And what do we do? We say, "Okay, fine. I love this curse. You know, let me let me enjoy this curse a little more. Give me a thicker steak. You know, on one end." Um, and on the other end, even though we all, all of the religions, even agree to the fact that that um, cruelty to animals is is, is verboten, um, we practice that every single day.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that we do not, in in many different areas, and certainly our relationship with animals is one of them. We don't really take seriously what religious traditions call on us to do. Um, it sometimes would make life a little, uh, not as not as easy to lead. Um, you couldn't just go to the grocery store and buy um, boneless, skinless chicken breasts anymore if you really read the texts of most of these religious traditions.
2: Wow. Dr. Laura, we're going to we're gonna continue this show with two experts on religious traditions, Rabbi Joseph Potasnik and Deacon Kevin McCormick are going to be joining us right now in the studio live right when we come back. Thank you very much, Dr. Laura. You're a great guest. And we'll Thank be right you, back. Hey, Brenda. What's the best way for the good folks out there to help their furry friends?
3: Well, they can buy our Dogs in Danger branded T-shirts, mouse pads, and postage stamps.
2: And you know those stamps are real U.S. postal stamps, so you can use them every day. Just think, someone else finding out about this cause each time you send a letter.
3: So please go to dogsindanger.com and buy from our selection of logoed products. Remember, each purchase helps us save a life.
2: That's
4: dogsindanger.com. Love is in bloom at Best Friends Animal Society's Pet Super Adoption, June 4th and 5th. Adopt from hundreds of cats, dogs, puppies, and kittens, all hoping you'll pick them up to be part of your family. The Pet Super Adoption is happening at the Westchester County Center in White Plains, New York. So come on, join the fun, and adopt your new best friend on Saturday and Sunday, June 4th and 5th. For more information, visit
1: superadoption.org. Throw your dog a bone? Let him listen to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC. Back to Alex and Brenda.
3: Welcome back to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. And we are now joined by the uh, popular hosts of Religion on the Line. Um, let me make sure I get the, the, the pronunciation right. It's Rabbi Joseph Potasnik and deacon kevin mccormick correct
5: that, that was excellent
6: you got that rabbi done so well. rabbi.
3: <laughs> from now on you're just rabbi oh, that's
6: fine, <laughs> that works out very thank easy.
3: thank you so much for joining us this morning we really appreciate it well
6: it's a real honor to be here you i, I travel into your show every sunday so oh, what an honor for a while. yeah thank you and, and thank you for
5: helping us appreciate the time that our show goes on <laughs> <laughs>
3: No, the, <laughs> isn't that the truth it's yeah. really painful so um, so first I, I understand you both have dogs
5: yes we so, do um, so, so
3: we want to know we want to know what our you dogs
5: have. have never met one another uh, you know we well, figure it's difficult enough for the two of us to get along <laughs> let alone having our dogs try to uh, get to know each other but I have a y hair pointer oh wow who was trained to sniff explosives wow. but failed truthfully but failed the test. Because he was distracted by female dogs so a friend of mine who owns the company, Tm uh, Securities, said,
3: this is ha- a great dog for the rabbi. Have,
5: <laughs> <laughs> so we have a normal dog On so many yeah. <laughs> We have a normal dog wouldn't work well you know for the deacon but work well for you a uh, normal dog and uh, he's great. I love his name is Gus. Uh, the only thing is when you see someone carrying a suitcase, he lunges. So you have to hold (laughs) him back, but he's wonderful. So he's
3: not a well-traveled dog.
5: Uh, no, no, not well-traveled, but, uh, and, and pretty well trained, but as a companion,
2: as a loving companion, the best.
3: That's great. That's great. That's great. great.
2: You know, we've, we've taken on this heavy topic today. And you, I'm sure you heard in the studio some of the subject, you know what the subject is, and it's a, it's a pretty deep subject, and it's sort of depressing. As we were listening to Dr. Laura here, um, she gave us, you know, a sort of a clarification of where the Bible stands on animals, and, and the word curse comes out, you know. Um, and she specifically said, God gives us a curse when there's the fall from grace. Uh, back in the biblical days obviously from Adam and Eve being vegetarians God curses us and says now you are a cursed race and I give you the animals to eat and you you know so it's a sin that we're committing clearly and somehow we've translated this thing into listen you know a bif- you know porterhouse is good you know and, and and so i i had never heard that and i never understood that it was it's pretty clear that this is not okay in the eyes of god do you guys agree with that interpretation well, I, I think if you look at the Bible, firstly,
5: um, the reason – I don't call it a fall from grace. I, 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 what I find is the Bible looks at behavior and says we need to regulate behavior in a more stringent fashion because otherwise we're going to have people uh, destroying animal life in, in a half haphazard, in a casual fashion, completely insensitive to the animal. So if we're going to permit – People to eat animals, it has to be done a certain way. It just can't be do whatever you want. The ideal fashion was vegetarianism. Mm-hmm. I think if you look at the, the Garden of Eden, that, that, was the, that was the ideal. But then when human behavior manifests itself as being dismissive of animals, as, as being, uh, in a sense, disrespectful of animals, the Bible then says we have to have a different standard. Uh, so the treatment has to be more respectful um, and that, that to me is the better interpretation. So it,
3: basically they set a level that we just couldn't live up to. I mean, that, that, that's what I'm hearing. There's well, a certain standard that we couldn't live up to. And then instead they said, OK, well, if you can't do that, at least be good no. to them until you kill them. Uh,
6: from a Christian perspective, i got to be honest, I've never heard that, to be honest. I, I mean, I, I, it makes sense. I, I understand what, what they're saying from there. Um and I guess in the Christian imagination, we have, we've, we've divided our understanding of animals into, uh, into several categories. So there are those that, that are pets that are like family members mm-hmm. like, like my dog Jesse or Gus or the, you know, the, the people like, uh, breeds like that or animals like that. And then there are, there are the work animals that, that, that work from there. And then there are the, the, the stock animals which become, which become food. Um, I, I, for, depending on your spirituality, I would, I would imagine, I understand the, the idealism of, of, uh, Vegetarianism, but I don't know if necessarily there's a, there's a higher virtue to it. I I, I don't know if well, I, I think, say that. I mean, I know from a Jewish standpoint uh, because
5: again, we look back at the Garden of Eden, and it was only when uh, people could not adhere to that regimen that a different standard was imposed. But let's keep one thing in mind: no matter how we view this, religion does not tolerate abuse of animals. Religion does not tolerate treating animals mm-hmm. in some kind of uh, you know, a fashion that where we, we we treat them as as inanimate objects. Uh, there's got to be a recognition that an animal has rights. As a matter of fact, the Sabbath, which was uh, applicable for humans, was applicable for animals. Mm-hmm. You, you you don't work, your animals don't work. So I think we have to keep a certain perspective. Uh, and as the deacon said, there are different categories of
2: animals, but all of them were accorded respect. Well, let me read directly from the Bible. Um, I have the entire Bible in one sheet. One One sheet of paper. Wow, that was... (laughs) Actually, there's
6: there's a product, the Itty Bitty Bible, that has the whole thing on the size of it. I think they call
3: that Bible for dummies.
6: Or or Bible going into a test. (laughs) Just take one sheet with you. You're allowed one sheet with you. Cliff notes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So uh, Genesis 3. God gave them all the fruit of the trees to eat in the garden. That's from Genesis 2. Then Genesis 3. But the fall changed everything. All... At the fall, humanity's relationship with God was broken, as was humanity's relationship with the animals. Now,
5: that seems pretty clear to me. Now, I've never seen that particular interpretation. I mean, I'd like to look That's Genesis 3. Mm -hmm. So I I need to look at a Hebrew text and see, because very often what you find truthfully is that the English text or translation uh, is completely at variance with the hebrew text and whenever wow. the author felt you know whatever particular right. view or prejudice i'm going to get it in so uh, i'd like to look more carefully because i haven't be seen after the fall we don't talk about after the yeah, fall. that's definitely a
2: christian understanding yeah. a of christian. Uh, right of hebrew the... text
3: it's a, uh...
6: that's,
2: that's what you're thinking yeah oh, yeah we because don't that's after... pretty clear if you take it verbatim that's pretty clear. I mean, it's pretty hard yeah. to argue with after the fall. Yeah. God's see, relationship with humanity was broken, and it's as was humanity's relationship yeah. with the animals. I mean, that's... Yeah, yeah we, see, we talk about the sin of Adam, but not original
5: sin. That's not a Jewish concept. We that's don't say ours. that. That's yeah. my people. Yeah. And, and,
6: and there, there's, there's a strict divide that, that goes from that. I think though there's two things from, from scriptural interpretation is... Um, we don't use scripture as a as a, as a proof text in the sense of well like we do the Constitution say you know it, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. It, there's a whole bunch of different ways to um, to, to to really interpret scripture uh, the literalness of the event becomes mm-hmm. uh, a, a, an issue that I don't know if is necessarily germane to what we're doing here I mean we could certainly do that if you wanted but I I think it'd be more interesting to see. You know what, as I was coming in today, I was thinking, my animal is is, is, uh, is very old is, for a dog. It's about 15, 16 years old. No, just good for a him. little Yorkie. And, um, you know, I remember when she used to run around and chase her. You know, I'd, I'd have a bald sock and she would run up and down. And now we have to lift her up and down and, and move around. Like she's like an old lady, you know, it right. worked from there. Right. Um, and, and when I look at her, you know, my, 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 I have a 12 year old son who's uh, uh, autistic and he, and he looked at me and said, Daddy, will she go to heaven? And, I, and I, I thought for a minute, I, I said, I told him, yes, I, I did. You know, now I realized that my, my tradition makes it very clear that human beings are separate from all other animals. But on the other hand, there's something very human humanistic, uh, human like that, that my, my, my pet has. And that's why she's afforded the respect she is. You know, right, that's why right. she's, she's treated with that kind of thing. And, and I think that's rooted, not necessarily in written dogma, but in the tradition that I come from that all life deserves respect. Uh-huh. And that, that even though Jesse doesn't, is certainly not human and we've never confused her with one, she is a creature of God and deserves that respect. So do you think Jesse will go to heaven? I think there might be room. You know, no. I know there's some, there's some systematic theologians I, you know, that are listening to you like yelling at me, but I, I think there might be a little room well, on the well, side. Well,
5: let's put it this like way: that.
3: wherever the dogs go, that's where I want to go.
5: Uh-huh. The um, obviously, if you look strictly at text, you're not going to see any uh, particular proof that uh, animals go to heaven. Uh, but I would say this: there is an understanding that uh, those who uh, there, there's a reward for good behavior. So some of us would like to think that there's going to be a special place you can call it heaven, you can call it something else, but there's going to be some reward given for those who acted so so special, or specially, rather, uh, on earth. Uh, animals, from my standpoint, give so much and ask for so little. Um, a little bit of attention is what they want, um, and, and I think there's something to be said for coming home and having someone there that greets you in the warmest fashion um, and in a sense, says to you, all I want is your companionship. Uh, that's all I ask for, and, of course, some basic requirements. Now, religious tradition also says to us that before you sit down to eat, feed your animal. Uh, that's a basic law. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the idea of not inflicting unnecessary pain, of treating an animal, with, as we said before, with a certain degree uh, of respect that, that is comparable to human respect. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, nowhere, nowhere does it say, you know, uh, animals should be pushed aside, animals don't matter, that eating animals is, is somehow um, regarded as your punishment. Uh, what it does say is the reality is people behaved a certain way, and therefore uh, we don't want them tearing animals in any haphazard way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's regulate it with uh, certain procedures in place for
2: the preparation of animals for food. Well, you know what? I'm going to switch for a second. Um, obviously, here we have a uh, representation of a Christian religion and the uh, and the 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 Jewish religion let's talk about the Hindu religion i know we're not experts at it i certainly am not but let's just talk about it because it's interesting why is there such a divergent view of animals in the Hindu religion that does not exist in islam uh christianity or in the Jewish religion i mean their view is completely divergent they have a completely different philosophy of the role of animals and how they interact with humans how did that happen do you do you guys have any idea I mean, Hinduism is the third biggest religion in the world, just to mm-hmm.
6: categorize what it is, and okay? probably the oldest. Uh, you can make a is very good oldest? case that it it's it it's, it's, it predates Judaism. Um, I didn't know that. I, I I I don't. It kind of evolves. There's no there's no clear beginning. Like you can, we can make a case for some of the other religions. Um, I, I, it certainly is a spirituality that understands the life force in a very different way than than, than we do in the West. In the West, each crea- creature is a unique reality. Uh, we don't believe in reincarnation. We don't believe that this will be done many other times, that, that the soul that I have is a unique soul that has a one-time event on the earth, where, from what I do know about Hinduism, their the, the spirituality is one where the life force continues in different manifestations so uh, where I could be a human being today, I could be a a, a, a sparrow or a, or a bull the next mm-hmm. day. Well, that uh, certainly
3: changes the way you treat animals. It does. <laughs> and I, it? Think that has,
6: I think that would have a lot to do with their, mm-hmm. their, their concern, whether it be for a worm or for a dog or for, mm-hmm. for, a, for a cow. Uh,
2: well, also, I think, I mean, the, one of the central tenets, obviously, is uh, you are what you eat. Their mm-hmm. entire philosophy is based on you are what you eat. Um, it's something that's beautifully simple to me. I mean... You don't have to be a Ph.D. in physics to get you are you are what you eat, right? You are what you breathe. You are what you eat. This is intake versus outtake. Mm-hmm. So there seems to be something very simple about that. If you are what you eat, then you're eating the animals and this and that. Um, why have the other three relig- religions not taken that perspective of the holiness of what you're eating and what you're consuming?
5: Well, it does. I mean – we do, we do see holiness in what we eat. Um, if you look at, again, it, it, it all goes back to the story of creation and then laws developed from that story. Um, there is a hierarchy in the story of creation. If you look at the last day of creation, uh, you have uh, human life, and human life was on the highest plane. Animal life was just below that. Uh, so if you're looking from that standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, people stand on a, on a higher level uh, than animals. Uh, doesn't mean you can just, again, that you can disregard, disrespect, but there is a difference there. And therefore, uh, the holiness or the soul, for example, the neshama we talk about, that is present in humans, the Bible doesn't talk about that being present in animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have that kind of view. Uh, so we would, know, we would differ from Hindus, and you are what you eat. What we say is you may eat certain things. Look, we have the dietary laws, mm-hmm. uh, which says to us, you can eat certain things, but remember, there are restrictions. You can't eat this, you can't eat that, and what you can eat has to be prepared in a certain fashion. So in that sense, there's holiness,
2: but not not the way the Hindus see it. You no, know, that's true. Let's talk about pork, okay? I'm not talking about political pork. Okay, that That is a different subject. Yeah. But pork is forbidden to be eaten by three of the four major religions, right? Judaism, Hinduism, Islam. Three enormous religions. I think combined, I calculated... billion people, Mm one-third of human beings on earth, okay? And that includes human beings that are not religious Mm -hmm. at all, okay? Atheists, which is a decent number also. So one-third of all human beings do not eat pork. Mm -hmm. How did that – I mean, how? where's the logic with that? And why is the pig selected as separate entity and told by God, okay, because religion is God, told by God, you can't eat this animal, but you can do this animal. You can butcher these guys, but this guy you can't. What's with that?
6: In uh, full disclosure, I'm a carnivore, <laughs> and, and I actually do enjoy. And I've watched <laughs> uh
3: but maybe not after this show. Maybe not. You, you, that could
6: be a conversion right here. Um, I, I, you know, maybe you could say why it was. Well, the, I, I, I can tell you. Tell you, why you this,
5: we, we don't I think attention. there's a misconception in, in in Jewish law: pork, ham, uh, bologna. You know, all these things. It's not that pork is worse. Eat something is kosher or is not kosher. Is bologna ha- pork? It depends how – It, it could be. Be, no. no it usually be. Usually it's beef, but it can yeah, be. Yeah, but it, it depends how – it, yeah. it varies on well, – what what determines – in order to, for an animal to be kosher, it has to have cloven feet and it has to chew its cud. The pig has one of those qualities. It chews its cud. It has cloven feet, but it doesn't chew its cud. Okay. So there is the thinking, be careful with the pig because it's half – it's half okay. But what's uh,
3: the logic behind those requirements? Is there a rationale? You know,
5: it's interesting. That, that's a wonderful question because that's been asked many times. What's the logic behind all these dietary laws? Why do we say eat this, don't eat that? And frankly, if you're looking for scientific reasoning, you're not going to find it. If you're looking for um, a, a, a kind of logical presentation, you're not going to find it. What you find is the following. These are the laws given to you. You are a holy people or you you have to strive for holiness, therefore that pertains to every aspect of your life, morally, uh, ethically, uh, it pertains to how you eat, and um, holiness also conveys a sense of discipline. You can do this, you can't do that. So in Jewish tradition, the dietary laws occupy a, a kind of disciplinary role, they're saying to the individual, your behavior has to have boundaries, and therefore, when it comes to the dietary laws, it carries over. Or should convey to you that there are uh, uh, rules in life, eating and beyond the table. I mean, all you have to do is look in the paper and you see how people just disregard rules. Uh, you can get if you can get away with it, you do it. Uh, So it was felt even when it comes to eating, let's have these laws in place because they will send a message to you that it applies here as it applies uh, outside of the kitchen area.
2: Yeah, I, I don't – I mean, I understand what you're saying, and, and and there's no logic that you can put to it, mm-hmm. and we live in a time of
5: logic. Whether well, there are those who want diet. to say cleanliness, you know, right. for years cleanliness. However, with government-inspected uh, meat, cleanliness is no longer uh, – right. you know, trichinosis used to be a serious problem, but today trichinosis is, is not the problem that it was years ago because of government inspection. Well, and they could right. have
3: just as well declared the dietary requirements to be vegetarian, but they chose mm. not to do that.
5: Right. And they could have said, "Do this because of cleanliness." It doesn't right. say that. Well, I it think says Islam holiness.
2: goes more in the cleanliness side, right? No, no. I mean, the, the, they Sorry, have we a have, have enough problems speaking for our own problems <laughs> <face. We're laughs> Speaking for someone else's faith. <laughs> <laughs> mean, it's interesting that they all three pick the same. I mean, for different reasons. I think one is cleanliness. The other one is, is as you know. The, the,
3: well, as, okay, as the I'll be the spoke. one to say this. I mean, I don't know how much this was discussed, you know, uh, centuries ago. But the pig is. Uh, on the intelligence uh, scale, higher than many of the other animals that have been eaten. Now, I don't know what t- to what extent that has played a it's role a in the religious doctrine. It's fascinating uh, she brings that up. Doctrine, but, um, and, but and would you like, organs, to see that? would and you like to
2: see that IQ test? <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah. and, and you know, it's I mean, true. you guys know that yeah. their organs
6: are, are most similar mm-hmm. to ours. That's most true. similar and to human Of I, all I, the animals. I think that might similar. be our ability to see that, but... I don't think when the rules were made. You don't think they I, saw I, that back then? I, I don't think so, but uh, who, what do I know? I unless, mean, those,
3: just, unless those pigs back then were doing mathematics. It could be.
2: There are a thousand species of animal out there, and only one has been chosen right. to by three major religions to be, you know, outside of this boundary of being mm-hmm. eaten. And it happens to be the one that has the closest a, uh, organs to the humans. Well, again, in Judaism, now, that's the pig wasn't
5: singled out.
2: The pig is not oh, singled yeah, yeah, out,
5: that's right, yeah. right? It's just part of a whole grouping. Right. So, you know, we don't we don't see the pig as being different than other animals, you know, uh, that are not kosher. Right. Now, what other
2: animals fall into that category? Those two categories, then. In, in, in
5: well, again, do? you have to have cloven feet. You have to uh, chew its cud. So, uh, uh, the horse, right? Uh, oh, ho- you can't eat a horse. Either. Right? Can't eat a can't eat a oh, horse. I didn't know that. Okay, what about so- a camel? Okay, can't eat a camel. I'm not right? sure about the camel. Yeah, camel eye doesn't uh, doesn't. It has cloven feet. Doesn't it chew its cud? Yeah, I means a whole listing. So uh, now the, the the interesting part of steak, the porterhouse, and all of those steaks. You look at me. You mentioned it before. You mentioned before. Is is the is the whole issue of the sciatic nerve Uh because Bible clearly states that when you would eat certain animal, when you when there was a wrestling match with. uh Jacob and angel. Uh, Jacob sees the the uh, the calf of the angel, and uh, the person walked away limping. And then the Bible says, because of that, you can't eat the sciatic nerve. So any part of the animal that has the sciatic nerve was was ruled out because it was it was too uh, costly to remove the sciatic nerve. Although they used to do it in certain places, and then eat the, the animal. Uh, then so they would just take off the hind quarter and say, wow. just don't eat it. Yeah, that's bizarre. Wow. <laughs>
2: Well, also, the Bible speaks of the end of days, which was, by the way, yesterday.
3: Yeah,
5: we did we're right. not going to say
2: where we're broadcasting from. Let's yeah. not tell people where we are
5: right now. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, end of days, whenever that is, yeah. when predator and prey will live together. I can quote from the Bible, but I think you guys are very
6: familiar with that. Sure. Isaiah um, speaks about where the lion and the lamb will right, live together. Right, and We've in
2: peace. Um, I'll just give you a short quote for our audience. Wolves and the sheep will live together in peace. Leopards will lie down with young mm-hmm. goats. Calves and lion clubs, cubs will feed together and little children will take care of them. So basically, a very peaceful world where we don't eat them and they don't eat each other. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, so the animals are not eating each other either. And he talks about that is the perfect world that is going to be created at some point in the second coming or whatever. Is that not the ultimate de facto in, indictment of the world that we live in, which is the big fish, you know, eats
6: the little fish? World that we live in—it's—it's it's also the reality in which we come out of. It, there's, there's but is a that not an indictment of that? Well, reality? I don't know if it's an indictment or rather than it's just a uh, an observation of it. The, the 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 situation at hand is that there is uh, there there are uh, we depend on each other. It's an ecosystem that depends that we. And let's take humans out of it, that that certain animals only survive by eating uh, um, animal protein, uh, that lions don't do well with soybeans, apparently. I mean, I'm not a veterinarian. I don't know that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's constitutive of their diet or a hyena or whatever the case may be. Um, When when, when, scripture is written, I don't think it's written so much from a scientific point of view to say, you know, quid pro quo, this for that. But on the other hand, to say, wouldn't it be wonderful if that were the case?
5: Uh, Obviously, for Jews, there isn't a second coming. There is only one coming. Um, and that those those sentences that you read represent for us an Id- idyllic vision that there's going to come a day, hopefully, um, when, when we say the lion and the lamb, that that those who are adversaries will become allies, that those who are fighting with each other will no longer fight. So um, you, you can have all kinds of interpretations on that, but for us it simply means that we're going to see a, a peace in this world that we've
2: never, ever encountered in our lifetime. We're going to be back with our guests in one minute. We're going to have to take a station break. Folks, here's a surprise to many of you. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is listener-supported radio. We are like Channel 13 is, a nonprofit. We have nothing to sell, no business to grow. Just honest talk about our best friends, the animal friends, and we need your help. This radio program is supported by our listeners, you. If you don't support us the Dogs in Ra- Danger Radio R may be forced to go off the air. So if you have ever enjoyed a riveting talk, if you think an independent voice needs to be on the air that speaks only about our pet friends, then go to www.dogsindanger.com and make your tax-deductible donation. Remember, this show is listener-sponsored radio, sponsored and supported by our listeners such as yourself.
4: Love is in bloom at Best Friends Animal Society's Pet Super Adoption, June 4th and 5th. Adopt from hundreds of cats, dogs, puppies, and kittens, all hoping you'll pick them up to be part of your family. The Pet Super Adoption is happening at the Westchester County Center in White Plains, New York. So come on, join the fun, and adopt your new best friend on Saturday and Sunday, June 4th and 5th. For more information, visit superadoption.org. The
1: Dogs in Race. Hour: Honest Talk, Even When It Bites, on 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda.
2: We're back with the, the subject of the day, which is religion and animals. What's the message? We're here in the studio with the famous hosts of Religion on the Line on 77 WABC, Rabbi Joseph Potasnik and Deacon Kevin McCormick. I have um, we're running out of time but I have one really good question here that I've been saving for <laughs> well save last. time for my one really good question <laughs> save that for 701 seven <laughs> yeah, yeah. so we, I want the truth on this one okay? so two religious guys here okay I'm Christian myself but not very religious um, how much practicality went into making these rules that we've been discussing, you know, whether it's the pig rule, or whether it's fall from I'm going to defer to the, the rabbi because
6: we don't have a lot of rules on this one. We can eat anything. You
3: just do whatever you want.
6: Exactly. Right. Well, when it comes to dietary, Christians can eat anything they want. Uh, so, Joe, it's up to you. Look, as a dog owner, as a rabbi, uh,
5: I feel that uh, religion, my religion, looks looks at animals in a very special way, uh, and it, it purposely um, uh, developed a legal system so so that animals would be treated better than they have been treated because in the pagan world uh, they were just treated you know in any way people wanted to you could put a spear through an animal, you could just rip an animal apart mm. there was no regard so this was a recognition that human beings uh, behave in a certain uh, fashion that is uh, contrary to religion let's put tenets in place that regard religion. I just want to one quick thing mm-hmm. I have the Great respect, not only for animals, but in particular, the ones, the seeing-eye dogs. Uh, I think, you know, there there has got to be a special place for those animals that are trained to they preserve their and protect. Life. Yes. I, we watch them all the time uh, in amazement. And, and I think... Um, they're really uh, – they, they deserve all the commendation that we can give because where would people be who are challenged without those animals at their side? Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, mm-hmm.
3: And, and the military dogs, any yeah. service dogs yeah. you know, that, that or, give their lives yeah. in service of us.
5: Or bomb-sniffing dogs that don't sure. fail tests. Yeah, right. <laughs> that, but make great
3: companions, yeah, yeah, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we had an interesting discussion in the first half of the show. I'm not sure how much uh, you heard of it about the disconnect that exists with, um, with all of the reg- religions of the world – uh, preaching and and having a belief system that incorporates dignity and compassion for animals, um, and yet the huge amount of cruelty that we have in our lives. And that's not, not even talking about the vegetarian issue, but the um, you know the, the the way we treat shelter animals, um, the experimentation we do on animals, the you know huge exploitation, medical experimentation, factory farming, all of these things. Well, that, um,
2: I mean, just the experiment. I mean, you guys would agree that the experimentation runs in the uh, face of everything that's in yeah. the. Yeah. In I want
6: to be real quick. Christians do not. Uh, endorse cruelty on any level Absolutely. whatsoever. I mean, right. we, 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 we do allow That's people clear. to eat it. Yeah. But the way, I mean, St. Francis of Sissy, who was one of the greatest saints uh, the church has, saw his animals as his brothers and sisters. There are many stories of saints that oh. would actually communicate with wolves or things like that in, right. in, a, in a unique, o- o- almost soul-to-soul level. So, right. I mean, we have that tradition. The cruelty, though, isn't it indicative of the cruelty we see with human beings, right. that we treat ourselves that way? No wonder we treat animals that way. We treat ourselves that way. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and that goes back to, I think, that original discussion. And I, I, I had never heard that term, but she said that it was a curse when we fell out we have to of the I mean, well, that. biblically. That, that is you know, her interpretation.
3: That's, that's yeah. her interpretation. Yeah. Yeah.
5: She's yeah. a yeah. psychologist yeah. with you, yeah. yeah. look. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> and she's not on ABC. No, she,
5: she's a
3: theologian. She's not on
5: this station. Well, she? never going to oh, I'm her sorry, I was her. something yeah. different. I, I apologize yeah. for those on this station. Yeah.
3: Some, some great books that she's put out on the topic. What's of your name again? Dr. Laura Osgood, Os- Hobgood Oster. Oh,
4: cool. right. oh, yes. oh, That
2: Dr. Laura. Yeah. We <laughs> thought it was a very different. I thought it was a very different no, Dr. No, no, Dr. No. Laura. <laughs> Ten seconds to go, so we're gonna have to cut off. Thank, Thank you so gentlemen. much. Thank you.
6: We're Thank we're gonna have you.